Welcome to Ale of a Time episode 68. This week we're hanging out at Stomping Ground, which is a new brew pub here in Melbourne. It comes from the team that bought us the local tap house, as well as the Gabs Festival, uh, which happens in Melbourne, Sydney and Auckland. Obviously Australian drinkers will be more than familiar with those venues and festivals, uh, but I guess to international listeners, the influence that they've had on the, the Australian scene is, is probably immeasurable by bringing, I guess, craft beer to a wider audience. The local tap house especially was one of the pioneers of, of craft beer and providing a pub that was kind of welcoming to everyone. The Gabs Festival as well is probably one of the most welcoming and enjoyable festivals to visit out of any beer festival I've ever been to. And they've just opened a stomping ground here in Melbourne, in Collingwood. Uh, it's a massive venue. Uh, two sort of areas with a, a children's uh, play cubby and a retractable roof. Uh, really, really great space for, for having a few beers and I can, I guess, see Dave and I spending a lot of time there over the over the coming years. Uh, really interesting to talk to them. Uh, I hope you enjoy the chat and our next episode, stay tuned, we'll be hanging out at White Rabbit, which will be interesting as well. So, yeah, two really good episodes. Uh, so, yeah, stay tuned. I think right. we're okay now. Take two. All right. Check, check. Can you hear me? Yep, we're yep. all good. Good. Dave, how's it going? Very well, you? Good, thanks. Welcome to Stomping Ground. It's your first time here since it's actually... First time opened. officially here, yeah, I guess. Came to a couple of the Friday night knockoffs and the Good Beer Week event, but first time on this side of the window, I guess. All right. And it's looking great. Um, it really Unfortunately, is. we've got Guy and Asher. Uh, Guy is... Probably the, the founder and Ashes the brewer. Is that an accurate way to say it? Absolutely. Yep. Spot on. Yeah, well, a co-founder. I've got a couple of other guys with me, as you know, Steve and Justin. You're holding the mic, guy. You're the founder. Okay. <laughs> yeah, now's your time to take the glory. I don't think they listen. So. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Yeah. But yes, uh, Ashes making all this fantastic beer. And um, it's just so nice to see the place full of people and uh, people having fun drinking beer and talking about it. It's been a long time coming for you guys. Like, How long has it been in the works for? I re- we were trying to figure out the other day. I reckon we've probably been working uh, working on it for about the best part of three years. Wow! Um, from you know from concept to to when we finally got the doors open, um, and uh, you know a lot of that was we had to find a site. We were also refining the plan, and then once we found the site, we had to work through the council um, issues, and that took us about eleven months. And then and then we had to do the whole design process, which also took a while. And then the build part, um, ironically, was probably the quickest. It was about um, three months altogether. They just were if in that. and out pretty pretty yeah. quick. I remember coming into one of the Friday sessions and you on plastered on the wall, you had the official opening date. And it was like three weeks away. And I was like, but what's the real opening date going to be? Because surely not all this work is going to get mm. done in that time. And it just flew by. Yeah, they, they were amazing. Um, they were... If anyone's interested, they were MIC projects, and they just were um, onto it. They were amazing. They they told me how long they were going to take, and they said we will not run over, and they did not run over. They were amazing. That's they cracked the whip yeah. and they rounded up all of their tradies, and they they made sure that they delivered it on time. Surely a brewery's got to be an attractive project for those guys. You know, <laughs> if they do it quickly, they're probably going to get a few free beers out of it. So well, uh, I, I tell you what, the tradies loved Friday knockoffs. That's for sure. We had, um, you know, we had a loved lot every of everyday knockoffs, really. <laughs> we, we, yeah, everyone loved knockoffs. So we had high viz um, here pretty much after close most days. So it was mm. good. That's good. And though, like high viz is not normally associated with with good beer, so uh, it's good to get them drinking good beer, right? Well, you're right. You know what? It, it was actually amazing because a lot of the guys, uh, and this is one of the things that gets us out of bed in the morning, um, is, is switching people on to better beer. Um, and a lot of people just haven't been exposed to it. It's like, um, you know, they, they, they just, they don't know what they're missing out on. So once they started drinking the beer here, and Asher's, they, they got on so well with Asher because Asher's very hands-on. He's very handy and he kind of, Knows how to weld now, uh, weld stainless that is, and because um, he looked it up on a YouTube video and yeah. um, and, well, and what that was part of the brewery install. You had to learn how to. Weld yeah, or? I had to make a few adjustments to some of the pipe work, and I won't. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. have anyone uh, critique my welds too well, too uh, yeah. closely. <laughs> not, but, um, not look too closely. But yeah, before no, we, before we get on to how amazing Ashley was at putting the entire brewery together, um, 
uh, j just in terms of exposing these guys to beer. They, they had a really good rapport with Asher already, and then they were drinking a beer that he'd already made, and um, they were just loving it. And, and some of them were just saying, you've spoiled me. I can't go to a normal pub and just drink normal beer anymore because um, I just love this beer so much. That's Locked awesome. in those customers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, we heard a similar story from Jade at the Weedy, really, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Jade was saying basically they had sort of, you know, tradies coming in. That was their regular pub. And when she took over, she basically had to educate them about beer or, or lose them as customers. And mm. now they're, uh, you know, the biggest beer geeks you'll find. So so um, it's been three years in the making. What, why did you decide to open a brew pub? Um, it's a good question. Look, we, we reckon... We've been in love with beer for a long time, and we've been, as you know, um, at, at the sort of pointy end of what's happening with independent beer and craft beer in Australia for probably the best part of 10 years. And it kind of felt like a, a bit of a logical progression. We, we'd, um, we'd worked with the local tap houses and, and um, created a place where people loved to, to be and where we could in introduce as many people as we possibly could to better beer. And that was a, a big driver. We also for the same reasons opened up the, um, we, we did Gabs, which sort of morphed out of festivals that we held at um, the tap houses. Um, and Gabs then, you know, has, has become quite a large festival that, that, which exposes a lot of people to better beer. And then we just kind of wanted to, um, to make it and um, be part of it from, from, you know, from the ground up. Um, from a business perspective, I guess it's a bit of a vertical integration play, um, but from a, um, purely from a, what we love doing, it's kind of, we're very much um, immersed in this industry and, and uh, beer is at the centre of it. Hospitality is also at the centre of it, but um, beer is very much at the centre of it. So it felt like the, the right thing to do. It's also a pretty uh, rich demo over here in Collingwood, isn't it? Uh, rich demo? Mm. Just, I don't know about that. Well, I don't know about wealthy rich, but I mean oh, like okay. concentrated <laughs> good beer drinking rich. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, there's th people around here definitely care about um, provenance, where their beer comes from, where their coffee comes from, about their food. Um, it's a bit of a generalisation, like mm. it's not only that demographic, but what we love about where we are here, it's, and it's actually got a few similarities with St Kilda and with Darlinghurst, there's quite a varied um, population, you've got some people who are really um, affluent. affluent, you've got some people who are really down and out, but we think that sort of thing adds colour and um, personality and, and we kind of love that eclectic nature that you find in, in, in those sort of inner city places? Now, most people I think would know, know Guy, your background um, and influence in the beer scene, but a lot of people probably don't know uh, Asher, your, your background. How did you get to be brewing uh, at Stomping Ground? Um, it was about, just give me a second, I've got to clear my throat. <laughs> 2013, I'd um, just started work placement, uh, interestingly enough, as an engineering student at an engineering firm, and I got a message from Steve one day uh, well, I think it was December 2013, perhaps. And he said, if you're ever considering moving to Melbourne, give me a call. And I was coming down in January the following year just for a holiday. And so I said, well, I'll be down in about a month's time. I'll, I'll be pretty interested, um, you know, maybe in a year's time to move down. And met with Steve uh, on Australia Day, actually, I think. Um, oh, no, day before Australia Day, I lie. Uh, over in North Melbourne, had a chat. He told me the plans and I said it sounded pretty good. And so from there, we kept talking and... In July that year, we went over to the States, Guy, Steve and I, 2014, July. Bit of a research trip. Bit of a research trip. Great trip, actually. It was good fun. <laughs> a lot of carryings on, but yeah, it was good. It was really interesting and saw what other people were doing and how they were doing it and um, took away from that what we would want to do with not only the beers, but the venue. So, And then the following year, January, I moved down. So, yeah, it's been a, been a fairly long road. And then, yeah. yeah. Um, I can give a little bit more background to that as well. Um, it wasn't just an out of the blue phone call. We kind of um, <laughs> just or, dial the or, numbers or and see what happens. Message. Yeah, we um, we'd asked around. Um, we were looking for somebody who we thought was not only a brilliant brewer but also a very good cultural fit for us. So we we asked. We, we're lucky enough to have a lot of friends in the industry. So we asked people like um, Richard Watkins and um, uh, Brendan Varis and you know Andrew from AG from. Um, formerly Mountain Goat, but now Mornington, and, and, and he'd worked with Asher closely. And these guys were saying, listen, I think you, you want to keep your eye on this bloke, Asher Hall. He's, um, he's a very talented brewer. Um, he knows what he's doing, and um, he's going to do good things no matter where he is. So um, that's kind of what got us interested in Asher. So we kind of um, uh, 
approached him. He, he showed that he was interested. And when we took him on the research trip, it was it was <laughs> too way to get someone interested. Take them on a research. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was, but it was two reasons. It was it was twofold. One was um, just so that he could get inspired, um, like like we were, and and um, and look at things. But the other reason was just we were kind of silently testing him out. Can we work with this guy? If we can travel with this guy, we can work with him. And uh, so we travelled with him. Uh, he had a couple of odd little habits, like I won't tell you on, on air. But <laughs> <laughs> Man, everyone's going to be thinking the worst now. <laughs> but we thought, no, we can do it. It's hardly an odd habit, by the way, <laughs> but we won't get into it. <laughs> We're all a little bit odd anyway. So, um, so we thought, what, this, this guy's great. He's got a, you know, he's, um, he's one of us. He's, uh, he's got a good attitude and, um, and we just uh, loved what he was all about and, and his take on beers, which was very similar to ours. So um, it was a really good fit. So what's your background in brewing? Where, where have you brewed prior to this? Well, I started engineering uh, initially in Wollongong in 2009 and got a job in the pub in uh, November that year, the Five Islands Brewery. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, I don't know whether you know, Five Islands used to have, the, it was called the brewery. The brewery wasn't actually in the bar by the time I started working there. It was over in uh, North Wollongong, but got along pretty well with the brewer, Andrew Gow. And within about a month's time, he said, you know, he asked me one day, do you want to come over and work in the brewery? Um, just filling kegs, you know, cleaning tanks, that sort of thing. So I jumped at the chance. Um, was pretty keen to get out of the pub scene. And not that I really got out of the pub scene, though. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but uh, yeah, from that, um, started working with him and then he trained me up and uh, gave us a bit of an idea that he was going to leave to come back down to Melbourne at the time. So he was looking for work down here at another brewery, um, Mornington being one of them. And um, he said, oh, well, look, I'll train you, you can take over. And it was a two-man job, so he trained us, uh, me and Sean, um, Sean Blissett, who's now at Wayward. And from there, we had a bit of a crash course in brewing and how to manage a brewery. And it was a contract brewery. 50% of what we did was contract for the likes of Four Pines and Sharas and um, some rock stuff. And the rest of it was ours, so we had a pretty big task ahead of us meeting the demands of all those contract breweries and yeah we we went into it head first but um it's gonna be an interesting uh, i guess lesson if you're learning and seeing sort of contracts uh the brewery you know operation yep uh managing you know ingredients and, and then seeing how other people approach recipes has got to be a good way to learn right yeah it is it is it's like you don't maybe you don't really know that you're taking things away from what other people do but um, a lot of the time I, I see things I would see things and I'm not going to blow my own trumpet here or anything like that but um, feel free, I, feel I, free. I, I, no, I'd see some recipes and I'd go why have they done that or that's interesting that, that'll work well And but you know I'm not at the end of the day you're just the one brewing it but I mean anyone who brews in contract brewing would, would probably feel the same way they'll have their own ideas about stuff I mean, mm. brewers tend to be fairly opinionated people you might, have, you might have already encountered that yourself. But no, it was good. It was good. It was, uh, it was great work. And uh, how are you finding, I guess, the, you know, establishing a brewery and then brewing and sort of being responsible for all the beers now? How, how's it gone for you? It's good. I love it. It's a great task. It's, um, I don't know, I kind of treat them like my babies and I get very upset when something doesn't go the way I want it to go. If, you know, how often does that happen? Not very often, but when it does, I lose a lot of sleep. <laughs> it's bad. But um, no, it's good. It's, I mean, and it's exciting the fact that we've got so many taps here that we're going to work and you know towards a variety of different styles. Eighteen taps, I think, is what we're looking forward to by the end of the year. Not by the end of the year, surely. Uh, we, we've got the capacity to go to twenty-four, but I think our, our aim is only really get to get to twenty so that we can have the serving tanks yep. on both sides. So um, it's not really about the number. It's it's if we've got if we can make it. If we can make it happen and, and, and we've got that many great things coming through and we've got the space for it, yes, we can go to 20, but um, it's not a target for us. It's just a, it's a capacity, potential capacity. Mm. I notice you've also got two hand pumps sitting there. What's the plan for those? They're, so we're trying to use them. Uh, we, we, we are going to use them, obviously. Um, we're just waiting on a part because uh, our beer system doesn't really allow us to pour through those yet, so we need two valves to go on each, you know, valve to go on each pump. Uh, we had a few dramas the first the opening weekend we blew one of the engines up so um, yeah which beers are you planning on putting through them I've got a brown ale so the brown ale that's on tap now I carbonated fully the majority of that batch and I just pulled off a few and um, they're going to be on the hand pump so they're not like 
you know, in terms of carbonation, they've got the hand pump carbonation, and then there's another one that's the uh, beetroot stout to start with. Oh yeah, with uh, Garage Project, is that yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, we've got a couple of kegs of that, but um, we'll also closer to summer, I'll, I'll work on another beer, an English style ale, um, lighter in colour, lightly hops, and you know, just a nice drinkable sessional. It's low, lower carbonation. Um, the the hand pump um, agitates it so that you get some uh, great. Uh, aroma release um, in the agitation process and real ales are you know massive movement uh, um, in the UK as you probably know um, and we just think that uh, w what we love to do is um, showcase not only a huge variety of styles but also the way beer is served and um, and ignoring um, real ale or hand pumps um, would kind of not be presenting the full picture so we think that there's a place for that and uh, and we like the idea um, of, of being able to um, provide that to people who are who love their their beers either a little bit more mild or less carbonated or just um, served in a more traditional kind of fashion mm. um, so you know it's, it's it's a nice little tool to have as a like it's one of my favorite styles I think a pint of it a good mild real ale is just it's hard to beat when you just want to Drink a pint. Um, yeah, so. especially sitting out there on a beautiful day, I just mm. can't think of anything better. Yeah, isn't today a cracker? Yeah, it's Hasn't wonderful. Melbourne turned it on for us. Well, and, that, and that's kind of one of the things we, we mentioned when we came in here. That one of the focuses was sort of being family friendly, and I know that's important to both you guys. Um, and walking in here, and there's families, you know, enjoying the sunshine. These have got an open roof for people that haven't been here. Well, do you want to tell us about the, the open roof and the idea behind that? Well, look, at our pubs in uh, Melbourne and Sydney, we know that the place that everybody always wants to be, rain, hail or shine almost, is kind of outside. There's something really special about being able to sit down and, and, and have a beer, um, um, you know, under the, under the stars or under the clouds um, or under the sun. And uh, so, you know, we thought we really were looking for a place that had an outdoor section, but um, if we couldn't find one, we'd make one. So we decided to knock the roof off one of the sections. Um, and we'll actually, uh, it, the only thing that stopped us doing more was budget. So we will actually lift the roof off more sections, um, uh, you know, as, as, we, as we can afford it, which mm. is going to take us some time because we've just, um, you know, completely skinned at the moment, <laughs> as you can imagine. But um, we, we, with time, we'll, um, we'll, we'll open up some more sections and we're really looking forward to that. But people just love drinking outdoors. Well, last show we did was with Shandy. Um, from riders and could you understand a word he said? <laughs> stall. It's the first episode with subtitles we've ever had. So, um, uh, but we sat outside to record, and we were sitting in the rain for 20 minutes before we even thought about moving anywhere. So um, that's kind of the draw of the beer mm. garden, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And there's also the uh, the kids play for it as well, which I think is a great. I don't think I've ever seen that in a brewery or inside a brewery at least. Well, you know, I actually, I, ha I have seen it. Um, uh, Bridge Road has, has got one, and um, I know whenever my kids go um, over to um, to Beechworth and um, we go to Beach Road, they love it out there in that beer garden. Um, and um, you know, Ben Ben's a good friend of ours, and uh, um, not not this idea is borrowed from him, but we've got um, we've got some kids, all of us. Um, so we know the importance of having the kids entertained if you want to have a bit of a good time. Yeah. And, and look, the other thing, more broadly speaking, is um, once upon a time, only men were allowed in pubs. So that limited, you know, 50% of the population from actually coming in. Um, the thing is, if you've got, if you, if you want people to come into your pub and you want it to be, uh, which, which is what we do, something for everyone, and be broadly appealing and be able to um, capture as much of the um, uh, uh, interest right across the board as you possibly can. You need to be able to cater for men, for women, and part of uh, catering for men and women and families is to have things for kids as well, because otherwise you can't bring your kids because they get feral if they sit around, at a, ta around a table for too long. Um, so we have colouring in pencils, we have colouring in paper, we've got you know the cubby house and um, and the kids love it, and you know it gives me a lot of pleasure to see a lot of kids running around enjoying themselves, meeting each other in the cubby house. It's um, and that's what like that's what breweries and 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 pubs as well should be—a place where communities can gather and get to know each other and feel comfortable. And this is um, what we hope that we can achieve here—a place where um, communities can um, you know can can come together and. and and enjoy a great beer and a good chat. Hmm. 
uh, definitely it looks like you've achieved that. So that's, uh, a, you know, right now, like, for, I guess the busiest I've seen it, um, I've been a couple of lunch times during the week, and it's a great space, and then seeing it sort of fill up, it's... Um, and I guess for you, how exciting is that to see it fill up? Uh, it's like a dream come true, um, Luke, to be honest. It's just amazing. Um, I, I can't be can't express how happy I am. It, it's been a long road and it's been pretty stressful. Um, and, and you know, we've had a couple of hiccups along the way, um, with not only with council, but, you know, somewhere along the line with finance and then with, you know, with uh, equipment and this and that. So Also it, running two bars and uh, a festival that spans two countries. <laughs> it's got to, you know, take your time away as well, right? Yeah, exactly. So there's, there's been a fair bit on and, and to be to be frank, the last 12 months has probably been the busiest 12 months of my life. Um, it's been really amazing um, working with great people, but it's also been pretty hectic and um, it's really nice to kind of get on the other side of that. It's not like it's over because it's just really beginning. Because now, But now people like Justin... Um, who's our operations um, director? Really take um, take over, and also Asha, who's you know our head brewer, and he's making such amazing. One of the most positive things for us is the feedback that we've been getting about the beer. Everybody's coming in here, people that wouldn't ordinarily be beer drinkers, and they're trying these beers and they're loving them, and they're being effusive about the beers that they're tasting. And they're not all crazy, you know, double IPAs and coffee IPAs and beetroot stouts. You know, a lot of them are very approachable beers, just really well made, which is part of our ethos. And um, that's that's extremely rewarding, having people taste the beers that we've made here on site and love them to the point where they, you know, they want to try more. What's your biggest seller, I, did I see, is the stout? Is that still the biggest mm-hmm. seller or is it up there? Mm, no, I think the pale's the biggest seller. I, that's, that's pretty standard, but closely followed. I mean, the first two weeks were pretty interesting. Closely followed uh, were the Milk Stout, uh, the Rauk Beer, the Red Saison and the IPA. They were all sort of on level pegging. And the Hellers was around there as well, which was a bit of a surprise. thought that might have been one of the better sellers. but And it is one of the although, better sellers. Although last week, to be fair, um, the Gibbs Street Pale Ale was the number one. The Leaps and Bounds Hellers Lager was number two. And the Australian Ale, um, which is um, a 4.1% um, uh, beer with, with uh, some wheat in it, is... Um, uh, was number three, so mm. it kind of came back to where you'd expect it to be. Yeah, yeah. Are you gonna? I guess obviously you're closely following it, um, so you're gonna keep following that and seeing what works and what you're gonna keep on or change out. Yeah, I think we're we're pretty happy with some of the cores that we have now, like the brown ale, the IPA, the pale, the Hellas, and the Australian ale, uh, and the milk stout, for that matter. Um, so, I mean, we, we talked about having core range maybe four to six, and it's probably going to be six to eight, more likely, beers that we'll always have on. Because, you know, all year round, I'm happy to drink a milk stout all year round, and I know a lot of other people are as well. So there's no reason you'd take that off. But then, you know, swinging with other seasonal um, beers that, you know, bigger and or, you know, smaller even, say, Berliner Weiss, that might be one of the, the key beers that we have on as well. But, yeah, there, there are quite a few cores. Like, well, we're really, we're really, yeah. Well, when 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 he says cause, he means ones that are on here all the time. But like, what's going to go out into the trade is going to be um, uh, on a regular basis. Is going to be a little bit more limited than that, mm. and that's mainly because um, of capacity constraints. So we'll probably have more like the four to six um, that go out to trade, and and then um, the other ones that are all year round that will probably be mainly here. Um, but the milk stout has been a bit of a revelation. It's mm. probably it's been probably my favorite, one of my favorite beers at the moment. It's just it's not it's on nitro. Um, it's got lactose. It's really drinkable and it's just it's absolutely delicious. Have you had that one yet, Dave? Yeah, I had it as part of a paddle earlier. Mm. It was delicious. Yeah, yeah. really good. Awesome. Can you tell us about so that easy. one, actually? Uh, I love milk stouts. Um, I remember we were in. Well, I'd, I'd always wanted to do one. Like I'd, I'd done one uh, previously at Illawarra before I left there. Uh, Five Islands turned into Illawarra. Obviously, um, I think that was 2011. Uh, Illawarra Brewing Company? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Uh, so when we were in the States um, on this trip a couple of years ago, Steve said uh, we went over to Colorado and we were at uh, Left Hand Brewing. And Steve said, you've got to try the milk stout. You've got to try the milk stout. Probably one and of the most famous milk stouts around, eh? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. He spoke very fondly of it from when he lived in New York. He drank a lot of it there. And he said, oh, do you think you can make a beer like this? And I said, well... 
give it a shot. I'll, you know, I love the beer as well. So make a hand, uh, make a beer like left hand milk stout's a bit of a <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a big ask, but no, I mean, that's a big ask. Yeah. It is, but like you, you know, should I, also I make a sculpin. It's not trying to copy that, but the whole idea is: can you make a beer that's this approachable and dark and you know creamy and all the rest of it? And so that was that was a plan from the get-go. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of, I don't know, do you want to know ingredients or in the rest yeah, of it? Yeah, let's do it. Let's wait um, for All Simpsons roast malt and chocolate malt uh, and roast barley. So, uh, and the base malt's just Australian base malt. And the hops in that are Bramling's Cross and just American ale yeast. Cool. And serving on nitro yes, behind the bar. Yes, served yeah. on nitro, yep. Excellent. It's interesting that um, I think a beer like that is, is selling so well for you guys because people kind of forget that, you know, I think Australian breweries get hung up on everyone wanting, you know, a pale ale and yeah. forgetting that people actually quite like exploring flavour and it's exciting for me to see that, you know, Milk Stout's taken off as one of your kind of That's Yeah, that's sellers. exactly right, particularly when hops are becoming harder and harder to come by and the price is getting higher and higher as well. I mean, I've been told that it's probably going to flatten out now in terms of the American hops but um, yeah like it makes making a beer quite expensive and then if you can make something that's it's not even just a price issue it's just a reliability of ingredients you can you can get these malts all year round there's no shortage that you don't run out you don't have to have an allocation for it uh, and you know the same could be said for a lot of Belgian styles I hope that they come back I love Belgian beers but have you um, on the on the hops thing have you encountered as a kind of newish brewery that a problem trying to get contracts and things like that? Uh, not too much. I've got a pretty good relationship with uh, our hop suppliers and they've said, look, give us an allocation and we'll um, we'll try and provide that for you. And everyone's really open and honest about it. And, I, and in return, you have to be the same way. So I um, haven't had too much trouble, but I've sort of built a couple of beers around what I can get in terms of hops. Uh, so... It's all like it's an ongoing task, I think, really, and it's going to be for with more and more breweries opening up, and some of them opening up with big packaging lines. They're really going to chew into um, chew into what's about in terms of hops and allocation for the rest of the country. Pretty recently, you um, flexed the muscles of the kit and brewed a barley wine. How did uh, that turn out? Really well. Really happy with the barley wine. Very. I, I just gave it a good long boil. Um, it was a mix of Australian and English base malt and uh, used you know, a couple of percent crystal, English crystal. That was it, just for a bit of colour, but it ended up darkening right up uh, in the boil. It was a 105-minute boil. I don't know why I did 105. I just thought that seemed like a pretty good number. Um, <laughs> but uh, I hopped with Calypso, Simcoe, Cascade, and uh, Mochawaka. Uh, and not, not heavily hopped. It's probably... It's, it's fermented with an American ale yeast, but it probably presents a little bit more like an English barley wine. But, yeah, very happy with it. We put some in wine barrels uh, from Heathcote, from Hanging Rock. They were, well, Hanging Rock's in Macedon Ranges, but uh, the Shiraz was from Heathcote. So I put about two-thirds of it in those barrels, and the rest of it was just carbonated normally. And so next week when we get all our taps on, we'll have the barrel-aged one sitting next to... Wow, how long did it spend in the barrels? Not very long, I'd... I mean, I'm not. I'm always fairly cautious with with barrels, and I mean, for me, it's still a a learning curve. Like, it's, and you know, I don't want to. I don't want to just jump out and say, "Yeah, cool, I'm going to put it in there for six months and see how it turns out." At the end of it, I put it in there, and I thought, "Look, I'll give it four or five weeks." It picked up flavour in that time, and I didn't want it to oxidise any more than it's that it's going to in that time. So, I pretty pretty quickly pulled it out and um, kicked it up. That's one of the things. Some barrel aged beers I've had recently are, are, are really over oaked, and you kind of all you taste is that oak. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's kind of good to hear you've you kind of watched that and pulled it out in time rather than a set time. I just wanted subtlety, and that's what I got. So it's I, I think it's different when you've got when you've been barrel aging a lot of stuff for a long time and you can then start blending. Um, when you've got that sort of luxury of being able to have a fair few different. Um, stages of, of beer and going okay well that's what that one tastes like that's what and then you kind of start to blend it gives you a little bit more um flexibility mm. whereas with us that was we put how many barrels uh two 220 litre barrels so yeah 440 litres in barrel all together so we you know 
if we stuff that up, you're dumping the whole lot. You know what I mean? Not whereas, um, I know a lot of guys that do a lot of barrel aging. They kind of um, they let some go for a long time, and then they kind of find a really good balance between a couple of different ones. And that's part of the art of, of barrel aging is to be able to blend really well as well. But um, we'll get there down the track as have well. Have you spent much time barrel aging things in the past? I uh, did a little bit at uh, Illawarra. Sean and I started years ago on that, actually, probably back in 2011, 2012. We got some barrels. I had a mate working. Uh, he still works there at Bunnamagoo Wines, and um, we got a lot of barrels through him at a, at a really good price. Uh, he's one of the winemakers there. And so we started doing lambics back then, um, you know, fermenting them with lambic culture, then aging it for a year. And sadly, a couple of the ones that we we brewed while we were there weren't actually released until after we left because you know, it's been yeah. that, long, that's that long in the barrel. I was told that they were good. I never, got, I never got to bloody try the things. Never though. got to taste it. Um, but, you know, other than that, we'd done some rum barrel-aged uh, beers and... Uh, red wine barrel aged uh, saison, cool. and that's obviously a plan here to, to keep using barrels. And oh, absolutely, yeah. I've got more ordered, and they should. Probably, I was going to speak to you about that actually, guy. <laughs> <laughs> just do it on microphone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, just gotten back from holiday, so we haven't really had a time to sit down and. So you're buying some more bi- some more barrels? Yeah, yeah. approved. Um, <laughs> um, no, we've we've actually got a fair few barrels um, so far. Some ex wine barrels, some ex whiskey barrels. Um, and uh, we've, we've probably got um, maybe a dozen altogether now. Thereabouts, yeah. Um, and we're, we're going to be getting more. But it's um, uh, Ash um, made a lambic as well, mm-hmm. so that he's going to put that in the barrel for probably mm. 12 months. Oh, at least 12 months, yeah. I won't. It's, we've got seven barrels full of lambic at the moment, so uh, with the idea of blending later down the line this time, whenever it well, actually it was probably about two months ago I brewed it, uh, maybe three months ago now, so it's in barrel already. It's been in there for about two months. Um, We've also got a, um, a, a Belgian cherry triple that we did uh, as a collaboration with Willie Smith um, using some of their cherries. It was delicious. I remember that. Yeah. Farm. Willie Smith yeah. cider for people that, that don't yeah. know. It's the yes, exactly. And um, they're great friends of ours. And we um, we ended up um, Tim, um, who's their head cider maker, came came up to do a collaboration with Asher. He was our first collaborator actually for our Good Beer Week event last um, this year in May. And um, uh, yeah, and, and Asher put something like 500 litres of it. Uh, 330. 330 It's an old, it's it. an old port barrel, which was then a whiskey barrel for Lark. Yeah. So it's it's not the usual type of beer that you would put in a whiskey barrel, yeah. like you think normally barley wine or imperial stout. But I don't know, I, I put a bit of uh, a culture in there again, like a, a lactic and PDO and Brett culture. Um and so we'll see how that goes because there was a bit of, there was a bit of residual sugar in that beer, so it might chew through that and get a bit more um, alcohol to it. But it'll also have a fair bit of funk, and then those whiskey tones will be quite interesting. It was already pretty, pretty high fun. alcohol um, when it went in. Yeah, yeah, eight and a half or eight point six. Eight point six percent. So it might end up in the in the tens. Yeah, perhaps. And how far away is that one from? Oh, look, it's been in there, been in barrel for. Five months, so I reckon I'll I'll give it another three before I start trying to toy around with it. It's just one of those things. You've got to wait. When you put those cultures in there, and I don't claim to know a lot about it, but time is your best friend. Now the beer that you've just put in front of us, uh, let's take it right back away from barrel aged and, and you know additions of fruit. I'm guessing this is the Hellas Lager. No, it's not. But oh it, no, it's it's actually it's actually a Kolsch. Oh, um, Kolsch, I had that one before. Well, it, you can, uh, it's a it's Cream ale slash Kolsch. We're calling it the Kolsch because that's what it is, really. Um, but um, I just I just love the style. And when it's really well made, it's really drinkable. It's 4.7%. Mm. So you're right. You've got some lager sort of um, taste in there because it is, it's a bit of a hybrid. I'm just going to edit that out so I don't um, look like it. Yeah. <laughs> so no, no, it's a Nailed it, Luke. Got it in one. Great job. Yeah. Um, uh, so Ash is probably best to, to tell you more about exactly what's got into it. But it's a style that I love when well made. And... Mm. Um, Dave and I were talking off air about um, about what um, you know, like sessionability. Um, well, we all were actually, and how it's kind of something that um, we kind of lost our way a little bit um, a couple of years ago, and we're all coming back to it. Um, I'm, you know, I've got a couple of kids now, and um, you know, and, I, and I'm out in the trade a lot, and I, I want to be able to drink a beer that I can kind of. Um, it's not going to put me on my ear, and th- and this is a great 
really tasty beer that you can have a few of and still be okay. Mm. Um, so it's kind of we've got a couple of beers in that kind of area, which we're um, which we're, quite, we're which we're quite proud of. Um, the Hellas Lager is one of them. The Leaf and Bounds Hellas Lager. The, um, uh, Grandstand Australian Ale is another one, and then this one, which is the Kolsch, which is um, what, what's the name for it again? Ash, I've forgotten. Four Seasons. Four Seasons Kolsch. Um, Four Seasons Kolsch, named after the um, the lovely weather we have here in Melbourne, um, it, and it's tasting great, I think. Yeah, I, yeah, um, it really is. Yeah, but I think both Dave and I are fans of the the Kolsch and the the Hell's Lagers, just as a general rule. So it's great to it's great to be able to come to a brew pub and, and actually get good ones sort of you know brewed on site. What's the capacity of the brew house? It's a 20 heck brew house, uh, three vessel, and we've currently got uh, 340 heck fermenters and one 20 heck fermenter and a bright, and uh, so 40 heck bright and four serving tanks. So, really, I mean, at the moment, I'm, I wouldn't say that I have it at 100% capacity, but because uh, that's probably going to be pretty hard to do, but um, it's, it's pretty close to being that. I mean, as an example, in terms of what I'm pulling out per week, I'm not far off that mark. So 20 heck. You can do two brews in a day pretty easily. Um, yeah, and it's a, it's a quick turnaround. It's a great system, actually. We got it from we got it from China. Um, I don't know. Do you want me to talk about that at all? Yeah. Well, it's, do you want me to talk about where sure, we got it from? Sure, yeah. So we um, we got the system from China. We, we went direct to the guys uh, at Hanyu. And Owen, who we worked with there, was really good, really reliable, easy to deal with. Uh, I tested this system, I went over and asked Mike Nielsen um, from Panhead a couple of years ago if I could come over and see what the system worked like, see how it went and ask him a few questions. So I flew over to New Zealand, tried it out, did a brew, was pretty happy with the results to be honest and uh, oh, food's arrived. A bit of food has just arrived. And then basically came away with that thinking, well, we can, we can not only save a bit of money but... Um, spend pretty wisely in getting this system because they do a lot of things bespoke so there were certain elements of it that I asked to be changed a little bit like the grist hopper getting that elevated above the mash tun it's not like it's not something that you necessarily need to do but it looks pretty cool and so from our perspective it's not a great reason as an engineer right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, but that's the thing like I mean if, if you had just a big ugly looking brew house and it come out you wouldn't want to show it off but yeah, elevating the mat. Now, on that note, quickly, um, I think we should pause while we... Should we take a little break? Food done. Good idea. Now, one of the questions I have is, the name Stomping Ground, uh, it's disassociated from the local tap house. Disassociated from Gabs. So, what was the decision behind not making this a tap house related bar? Uh, it's a it's a good question because we you know we we've worked really hard to build the local tap house brand and um, and we're really proud of, of what that stands for. But the reason we wanted to make it different and I'll, I'll, two two parts to this question: one, what does stomping ground mean and what does it mean to us? And B, why is it different to the local tap house? So, so maybe let me start with part A. Um, Stomping Ground uh, is a couple of different things. So once upon a time, Collingwood, around this area, was the epicentre of brewing in Australia. It had something like more than 30 different breweries in this area, which included at the time Abbotsford and Clifton Hill. That was still part of Collingwood back in the day. And among a couple of other industries, like um, boot making... Malting. Malting. There's a Malster just down on Islington Street, just down from us. There's also one up on Smith. and Johnson, um, it used to be, an, like, it's always been an industrial hub of, of Melbourne, is Collingwood. Um, and, and over the years, um, they conglomerated, they got bought up by bigger ones, and all of a sudden it just became one big monolithic one. And we are the first new brewery to open up in Collingwood in over 100 years, 104 years. Which is insane when you look at the area, you know, it's coffee, it's food. And it's been that way for maybe the last five or six years. Breweries are opening up everywhere, but not Collingwood. Exactly. But well, I think it was 19, um, uh, like in the early 1900s, 1910 or something like that. By that stage, all of the breweries have been um, consolidated into one big monolithic one. And, um, and, and so, yeah, 
It's, it does seem insane considering the demographic around here. So we're really proud of the fact that we're bringing brewing back to its original stomping ground, which is part of the reason for the name. Um, the, other, the other reason for the name is that a stomping ground, what, what a stomping ground means um, to us is um, a place where people feel comfortable, where people feel at home. That's my old stomping ground, that's my stomping ground. Um, you can't, people have a sense of ownership over it and we, that, that sort of really resonates with us in terms of ethos. We want people to feel comfortable at home, feel like they have a part ownership of it. Mm. So that's really important to us. And then the third reason for stomping ground, which is a little bit more, um, uh, what's the word? Um, a, a little bit more um, tenuous link um, is that once upon a time, uh, beer was delivered by horse and cart and the horses um, used to go back to the stables, which is where the term st stamping ground or stomping ground originally comes from. They would go back to the stables, <coughs> pardon me, and, that's, um, and that became known as the, the, the stomping ground. So yeah, right. um, it's got a, a few different uh, meanings to us. So next part of the question. That's a good answer to part A. <laughs> why is it different to, um, uh, to the local tap house? We felt that the local tap house has really made um, a, a massive, it, it was, it started off in the, in the Melbourne and then Sydney um, scene when craft beer wasn't anywhere. Independent beer was hardly anywhere to be seen. And we, Steve and I at the time looked at each other and we said, you know what, our measure of success will be if someone comes into our venue and orders a beer by uh, style rather than by brand. At the time, everything was brand driven. I'll have a Tourist New, I'll have a I'll VB, I'll have a Carton Draft. And we felt that um, if we could change people's habits to start thinking about style, like they do with wine, I'll have a Shiraz or a Cab Sav, we felt that we will have been successful. And we've been fiercely independent ever since. We've not really done any contracts. We've done a couple of little handshake deals here and there, like we'll keep your beer on for three months. But aside from that, um, we've been fiercely independent. We've resisted any kind of money from anyone um, in um, the interest of being completely independent and being allowed to put whatever we want on tap whenever we want on tap and supporting Australian independent craft beer scene. So if we were, we did flirt with the idea of bringing it all into the same fold and having the stomping ground tap houses or having local um, brewery, but we just thought they're different beasts. One is a brand that we want to and, and beer that we want to people to love and enjoy um, and and um, the product to resonate with people. And the other one is about um, the entire Australian beer scene as well as the international beer scene. And they're different. They're connected because they both have beer as the champion and great beer as the champion. Um, and they both have hospitality and great hospitality as the champion. But um, they're different in the sense that they're not... Um, yeah, they're not identical. So it, it, it made sense for us to start a new brand, Stomping Ground. Hmm. Um, and the, the logo, did you get that design? Like, how did that come up? So the, the three legs um, represent uh, Steve, Justin and me. Awesome. Um, but also the fact that they're moving and they're walking, they're on a journey. It's like a little cartoon, like you can almost hear the cartoon sound effect. They're going somewhere, they're on a journey, they're heading somewhere, and we and, and that's because we want to take people on a journey. Um, and the way Justin says it, which is um, which is bang on, is we want to be able to take people from wherever they happen to be to wherever they want to go in terms of their beer journey. So if they're right new entrance to, to beer, we want to have beers that they can sample and they can try. If they're right at the pointy end of the beer market where they've tried everything and they just want crazy new beers well then we've got the you know belgian cherry triple that's been barrel aged for four months or five months uh we've got a lambic um with brett but we so we because that's what we love we love going back to the good old faithfuls of the you know the australian ale or the colch or the lager or the the even the pale ale but we also love to drink stuff that's like a um a little bit more esoteric or a little bit more challenging so um so the logo is a little bit about the journey and letting us take you on the journey. And then finally, it's a little bit about, um, usually we'd see two legs, not three legs. And so that's a little bit about doing things a little bit differently. We're kind of, um, and, and I guess it's different to the mainstream rather than different to the craft beer scene. It's different to 
you know, having a Carlton draft or a VB or, a, or, or anything else. It's kind of like, hey guys, there's a whole new world out there. Walk this way. Allow us to show you that there's a whole new world out there and let us take you on a journey of better beer. Okay, so we've talked about beer and everything like that. We just had a little food break. Can you talk to us a bit about the food that you've settled on with the uh, establishment? Sure. Um, no worries. Look, we've well, got... Asher, why are you laughing so much at that question? Oh, I'm not really. Do you want me to talk about this? I'm a brewer. <laughs> I'm not a chef. Like, really? <laughs> Although, having said that, I've seen what he makes himself for lunch. So, um, he's actually quite uh, culinary in- culinarily inclined. I actually uh, didn't exchange. It was more of a more of a work thing. It was more like slave labour, to be honest. When I was 19, I went to Hungary. Hungary, you can they can get a few puns out of that. And worked yeah. in a kitchen for a year. In a Hungarian kitchen, so he was just a dish pig. No, just no. <laughs> I was everything. <laughs> what? Getting yelled at a lot. What was well. the main dish of the kitchen you were working in? Every day it was pretty standard. You'd have you'd make a different soup every day, and every meal has a soup with it. And then you'd have a main and a dessert, or a main and a salad, or something. But um, I mean, your Hungarian, your typical Hungarian dishes are goulash, which is goulash, what we call goulash, but it's not actually a stew like we know it. What it actually is is a soup. They make a stew, which is a percolt, and then they add stock to it and add, um, I forget the name of that German pasta. The Anyway, the egg pasta stuff, add that to it. The yeah. No, no, what is it? <laughs> it's, no, anyway, I forget the name. Yep. I just made that up. Okay. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, Goyash. Okay, from, from Goyash to uh, what's happening here. Okay, so we've got um, Paul Carsten, who is um, a... Uh, well-known chef in the in beer circles from uh, Portland in Oregon. Where did he used to work? Um, he used to work. Oh, good question. Now you're testing me. I can't think. Was of it Brexide or somewhere like that? Uh, one Paul, of the one of the brew pubs. Paul help. Um, no matter, like, no level no, of eye contact is going to communicate that name to you. Go no, on, yeah. yeah, sorry, I, I can't remember. But uh, um, he's got a he's got a profile in the in the um, in the beer um, industry. He's. Uh, also been a presenter and um, guest speaker at uh, Great American Beer Festival as well as in Biavana. Um, he's he specialises among other things uh, cooking with beer as an ingredient in food, N- not just beer as in finished beer, but also um, beer ingredients, whether it's wort or hops. The the wort butter, I think I've had that last time I was here, and it's basically just butter whipped with wort, right? Yeah, the malt butter. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's done. Yeah, he's done. Sugary a great, and delicious. It is delicious. And he also uses, um, you know, malt as an ingredient in other dishes. Uh, and he, his whole take on it, which we all agree with, is that it shouldn't be a gimmick. It should be something that actually adds to the to the dish. And then the, his other focus is just a fresh, seasonal, really farm-driven um, dishes. They're all about what's in season right now, um, what's local, what what can we source locally, um, as locally as possible. That's fresh and in season and turn that into something special so um it's a relatively modern uh style of cuisine it doesn't have its roots in any particular um uh culture as in it's not it's not it's not really french it's not really italian it's really kind of quite modern eclectic but it's really um fresh seasonally driven and we're getting great feedback so far awesome i just wanted to know uh, a, a research field trip is going to produce some findings. What were some of the things you took away from your uh, sojourn across to California? Well, I'll, I'll start. I'll start firstly with the beers. Um, I, you know, I knew American West Coast beers were good, but then it really it it opened my eyes to how much some of these places were doing in terms of variety and style. Like you go to Russian River. Russian River's known probably most prominently for Pliny the Elder, but then you go to the brew house. And that I think we had a tasting paddle of 20 beers or, or more. And they were all so varied. I mean, you know, A lot of sours in, lot in of that sours, as well. A lot of big Belgian style things. And it was just so good, so fantastic. Um, and we saw that across, across the board, really. But, uh, yeah, I think so that... And I, I sort of found with a lot of the IPAs, the West Coast IPAs, it sort of was more in tune with what I find I like in an IPA. Very little caramel malt, very little crystal just hop forward um, you know neat bitterness you know people people talk about big hoppy bitter IPAs and then you, you actually go to the states and you go to West Coast and yeah they're hoppy but they're not harshly bitter they're 
nice, neat drinking beers. And, you know, huge even, late hops, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but even at 8.5%, you can drink Pliny by the pint. Or 7.5% or whatever it is. We had quite and they had Tiny Pliny as well, which is... Uh, had Pliny the Younger. Yeah, and Pliny the, the Younger and Tiny Pliny. Blind Pig. We had a lot that night. But other than that, I mean, one of the things that, again... Steve wanted us to go around and check out venues and get an idea, or both Steve and Guy, get an idea of what we wanted to do in our venue if, if we made it, you know, as a brew pub, whether we'd have, as we now have, glass here or um, whether you'd just be open to the elements and everyone could hear what's going on out there. But um, to be perfectly honest, I remember a lot of the time going to some of these venues and thinking, you know what, and we all agreed, that it was like, yeah, it's kind of cool, but it's not really... Like at the end of the day, it's just a warehouse with a with a bar in it. So I'd have to agree with that. If I've, my my big takings, I'd, I'd echo what Asher just said that the hospitality component of a lot of these amazing brew pubs across the US were um, underwhelming. They didn't really, they, with the exception of a couple, they were kind of a little bit lackluster when it came to the actual hospitality, which just confirmed that. In Melbourne, here we are world class in terms of um, the design, the uh, you know the hospitality side of things is really top notch, and um, and that was really encouraging to know that um, you know we're we're doing a pretty good job on the hospitality front compared with a lot of other places. Um, but then on the other side, on the on the flip side, on the beer side, the beers, as Asher said, were amazing. And the thing that was the big learning for me is how much time and effort um, a lot of these great brewers um, who have now been around for quite some time spend on quality control. Um, a lot of them do a lot of amazing testing um, and, and they spend a lot of time and effort on quality. And uh, they've got great labs and they've got a lot of equipment that um, goes into making sure that they're only putting out the best possible quality beer. And I think here in Australia, while we're making some great beers, I think that's where we um, need to catch up is on that quality assurance and quality control side of things. And um, people over there, it was surprising to see how much they invest in that. So that was a big learning and that's obviously where we'd like to get to. I know places like Burley Brewing and in, um, you know, in uh, Burley um, spend on that and, and they're massive proponents of that sort of thing. And I think that's uh, the kind of thing that we'd like to do as well to make sure that we're only putting incredible beer out there so that there's no, we're not leaving anything to chance. So how are you, uh, how are you managing quality? What's your... Uh, At the moment, it's pretty manual. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, I've got a, cons you know, a consistent formula that I use for brewing, which is like anyone else's I, or a lot of other people that I've worked with. Um, give beer the appropriate rest after ferment, try and prevent diacetyl. Cleaning is... Cleaning's the biggest probably biggest part to quality. You're just a cleaner that occasionally makes beer, right? Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, like yesterday, if you had to come in here, I brewed, but you would have seen me on the floor with a bloody with a hose or with the foam and scrubbing it and washing the outside of the tanks, washing the inside of the tanks. It's, I mean, part of it is also not having dusty, ugly tanks to look at. But I'm more often than not, I'm chasing a hose around the floor or mopping or scrubbing or. Covered in caustic. <laughs> but you don't get on. a chance at a second first impression, do you? Yeah, we're lucky at the moment because we're still really small. Mm. Um, and wholesale is not a massive part of our what we do. Uh, as we grow, that will become much more um, important. And we will start to implement a lot of the uh, quality control measures that we would like to. Which is about testing and it's about making sure you know where you're at at different stages of the process. Have you had much feedback about your um, outside venues with your, your beer that they've been serving? Yeah, it's all been pretty positive. Yeah. We're lucky that um, of the you know, 40 or so accounts that we've got so far, um, a lot of them are very local um, within a stone's throw. So the beer is getting to them really fresh. Um, it's getting to them cold. And um, as a result, and it's going straight into their cool room. So as a result they're putting our best beer forward and we go out and we taste the beer there as well um, Brad Rogers when he came here to brew with Asher um, for the um, uh, from Stone and Wood for the um, uh, the smoke on the water Rauch beer that we did with them um, he said to me just wait until you get out in the trade and you start tasting your own beer at other places and sometimes you'll be 
really pleasantly surprised and sometimes you'll be absolutely horrified. And um, luckily for us so far, um, the horrified part hasn't happened, but it's probably only a matter of time. Um, but so far, so good. You talked about, um, you know, you're going to grow into that sort of wholesale space. So I guess where do you see Stomping Ground going? Um, I guess, And it's two parts in terms of beer, beer selection, what you have, you know, what you ultimately want to do in terms of beers, but also where the brand's going to go. Um, it's a good question. Look, our number one priority is, is um, the brewery, uh, the brew, as in the brew pub. We, we want, as, as in we want to make beers that we love making, we want to sell it here, and we want to keep things interesting for ourselves because we love great beer. We want to make some of our core beers available to um, the wider market um, if they're resonating with people, and so far we're lucky enough that it has, and we will support the people um, that support us really well. Um, but we're kind of small. Um, we don't see ourselves ever as being like a, you know, like a, a dominant force in, in the world. We're more of a, we're more of a making beer that we love to make. And if I was um, to ask Steve that, would he say the opposite? <laughs> Probably. No, who knows? Who knows? No, I don't think he would. I First think. beer served on the moon is going to be stomping ground. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hasn't Four Pines <laughs> already got that? Or is that in space? No, um, we, we just, like, we just want to make great beer and, and, and we, we want to make beer that we are really proud of and we want to make, um, we want to build relationships with venues that are really great relationships. We want to support initiatives that really resonate with our brand and that is everything that is to do with Melbourne and Melbourne culture. So um, things to do with the arts, things to do with theatre, things to do with, um, you know, um, the great food culture that we've got, the great coffee culture that we've got. Um, the great fashion culture that we've got. That's really what Stomping Ground is all about. It's about celebrating Melbourne's culture. And we reckon it's one of the best places to live on the planet. Um, I know that we're a little bit biased. Um, there's a lot of other great places, but this is probably one of them. And we want to celebrate that. We want to distill everything that we love about this great city, put it into a glass or a bottle or a can, and have other people enjoy it with us. And um, if that's it um, here and a few select places, nearby then so be it if it ends up being a bit wider um then then that's great too but we're not in any hurry we're just enjoying the journey you said glass bottle can is the future packaging then uh yeah we'll definitely package at some stage cool and what beers uh and what beers do you want to brew asher what what do we what do you want to see coming out of the taps in the next year or so uh well a lot uh, I don't know, it's really hard to say. Like at the moment I've got a Saison, which is going to be uh, on over summer. I'm, I'm pretty excited to see how that turns out. Um, I've got a Hotback IPA as well in one of the tanks. Uh, they're always pretty... How's the double IPA tasting? It's great. It's it's going to be on tap next week. When, we get, when we get all the taps, Ooh. yeah. So. I've been away for a couple of weeks, so yeah. I haven't tasted it. Is, it. is it in the bright at the moment? No, no, it's in keg. Uh, I want to taste it. You want to taste it? Right now? Yes, right now. <laughs> so uh, obviously we'll, we'll have... Um, as is popular and as we all like to drink uh, a lot of hoppy beers but then Belgians are going to be something else that, that I, I really want to do I'll, I, I love experimenting with Belgian yeasts uh, I've only done very little of it uh, but I think in a venue like this it'll it'll give us that opportunity to play around with other styles and present them to people and, and get them trying them and drinking them because you know and I probably am guilty of it as well I don't often order a Belgian beer but it's Mainly because I don't often see it, like a Belgian style. That is, if you don't if you don't see it in a bar, you're not going to order it. You see it in a bottle from you know from the Belgian. But a lot of Australian producers are sort of steering away from it, or have done in the in the last few years. Which is, you know, we've all been guilty of it. But I'd love to see more of it. So, and and the English style malted varieties, like I said before, uh, the English ales, um, yeah, basically just everything. Just everything you can. Pretty make. much, like I've, I've, it's it's hard to explain because I've got I've you know I've got a number of beers we've done already, and I'm really trying to keep focused on each one of those beers that I do. And then if I come up with another idea, it's like I've got to actually calm myself down and 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 like cause I could just go anywhere really. But let, let me tell you, whatever he has or hasn't got in his head, we've got plenty of other things for him. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. He just doesn't know it yet. Um, but we've got a whole plan of um of of things that we want him to brew. Some pretty exciting stuff. Um, Steve, as you know, he's a machine. Um, he's doing all sorts of research. Um, we all taste beers all around the place. We've got, um, we got some pretty exciting ideas, some of which I can't tell you right now. 
Um, but just um, do it off microphone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you tell me? We, uh, <laughs> even Asher doesn't know about okay. it yet. But he'll be brewing some pretty amazing beers. We'll just be relying on him to nail it. Well, I think I it's reckon one more question, Asher. You kind of brewed it more than a couple of times at the uh, at the Ava Awards. Picked up a silver for the Gibbs Street Pale. How thrilled were you? Yeah, I was pretty happy with that. That was the very first beer that came out of, out wow. of the system. So I was really happy with that. Uh, Just great uh, validation. Yeah, yeah. I haven't really changed it uh, since then. I haven't changed the recipe at all. So Did you change it a little bit? Gold next year, I think. Yeah, Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right, guys. Um, I've had a great time. Dave, I'm sure you're going to say the same thing. Absolutely. Uh, the venue is, is full, filled up around us. You guys are both smiling and happy to be here. So... Um, thanks for joining us on the show. And, uh, How do we keep yeah. up to date with everything Stomping Ground related in the future? Okay, well, thanks. First of all, thanks so much for having us. Um, it's always a pleasure talking to you guys. Um, second of all, if you want to keep up to date, um, check our Facebook page out. Also check out our website, www.stompingground.beer. No.com is not our Sprung use. for the dot .beer. Just dot .beer, yeah. Nice. Um, and uh, that's the best place. That's the best place to um, keep and up Instagram. to date. And follow us on Instagram as well, um, which is Stomping Ground Beer Hall or Stomping Ground Brewing Co. Awesome, Dave. If people want to find you, where can they find you? Uh, Melb Dave on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, you can don't forget to check us out uh, on Facebook. We'll probably be doing some more live broadcasts from time to time to pump a few shows. Uh, that'll be fun. How about you, Luke? Uh, all of the time, everywhere. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat. All them socials. Uh, rate us on iTunes. Please. All that jazz. Thanks to Toe Hider for the theme music. Always. And thanks so much, guys, for, for coming along. Pleasure. Really I've had yeah. an absolute ale of a time today. Uh, so. Great. The first person to ever say that as well. Which <laughs> I'm not being sarcastic. That's really, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Thanks, man. Cheers. Cheers.